How's it going, Joe? Any newsworthy stuff besides all the, all the fires going on in this world? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Jedi, why don't we just talk about that for a hot second? I know you, you kind of want to maybe commit an episode to it, but there's obviously the fires in Hawaii, and it's a terrible tragedy, and obviously all of our, our hearts are with you guys out there in Hawaii. But you, just before we went uh, to record here, you mentioned there's actually conspiracy theories, and from what I can tell, you believe all of them already. No, I do not. It sounded like it. I'm just it very did. passionate about how I talk about things. <laughs> it, it sounded like you were buying into them. Jedi, real quick, why don't you just kind of tell people, like the, the one that you told me, the conspiracy theory about, about the fires. We have a special guest here tonight, and and things are a little out of whack because Jedi is uh, not in the continental U.S. And unfortunately, Todd, who's blowing my phone up right now with text messages, has bronchitis, and he will not be joining us. So it's me, Joe. Uh, Jedi is, I think she's back, and our our wonderful special guest is Goddess Lilith. And Jedi, you're back. Yes, I'm back. See, they're trying to prevent me from speaking about it. <laughs> Don't think that thought didn't cross my mind. I just mentioned we have a special guest, but I'm going to hold off on why there's someone here named Goddess Lilith. And if you already know who she is, congratulations. You picked the right episode to watch. Jedi, the conspiracy theory, what's going on in Hawaii? That they think the fires were started by some laser. And that that's it's connected oh to other fires that's going on in the world. From my understanding, there was one in Turkey, another in Spain, and several more fires. So now that that's the conspiracy. Whose lasers are are these aren't the Jewish lasers that Marjorie Taylor Greene was talking about, <laughs> are they? I don't know what lasers. I just heard this and I'm just like, what's going on here? <laughs> Greetings, Morks. Jedi here with Crimes, Conspiracies, and Beyond. It's just Jedi and producer Joe today. Unfortunately, Todd can't make it. He is homesick. And I know he wanted to be here today, especially with our guest. Our guest is almost like a unicorn. You know, you always talk about it, but you never see one or meet one in real life. And so I'm so excited that tonight we have Goddess Lilith here. Hey, guys. Jedi, isn't isn't she so attractive i just like wow i don't know what i was expecting you know we got the little press package earlier today and i was like oh my god wow oh if you don't know who goddess lilith is she is a dominatrix right mm -hmm. amongst Among other, other things, things. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how did you get into this 
Well, I sort of fell into it through modeling when I was um, in college. And it really kind of aligned with several of my personality traits. And I suddenly just sort of found myself in, in this lifestyle that felt good and it felt right and it felt better than kind of the life I had been living up until then. So I haven't looked back since then. I've been living the lifestyle 24-7 since then. Wow. I Yeah, that was my next question. I mean, do you ha get a break from being the <laughs> dominatrix or is it truly a lifestyle where you live it every day 24-7? Oh, definitely. I mean, do I interact with clients every day? Like, no, I, I would burn out super quick if I did that. I definitely have days where I just sort of like turn off my devices in general and just hang around and have some me time or or travel someplace fun and just completely ignore all of the simps. So I think that's really important to still sort of like have time for yourself. But uh, I, I mean, I definitely have long-term subbies and slaves around the whole country and I've gotten used to certain things like not having to do my own chores or if I want to go out and treat my girlfriends to, you know, to a meal or have a few drinks or something like I expect to get that paid for and just other sorts of things like, you know, it's sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to go out into the real world and sort of interact with, uh, with people not in the lifestyle because it's kind of like I have to I have to remember to dial back my my sort of dom personality a little bit because mm. I definitely don't just go out into the world and treat everyone as if they should be my sub and they should know who I am and things like that so it can be a little bit of a a, a little bit of a like a switch up there I have to it's like a switch that I have to like kind of turn off a little bit when I go out and interact in the real world because you're internationally known, right? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much anywhere I travel, I'll just put it out there. I'll put it out to um, my email list, to my fans and slaves and admirers and stuff. And I'll just put it on my socials. And most of the time, whenever I travel someplace, there's there's at least one, if not more, subbies eagerly awaiting me to arrive. And I just kind of get escorted around or taken out to dinner and wine and dined or I get to travel to some dungeons that I haven't been to before and just you know <laughs> kick some ass <laughs> really wow wait wait all right when when you were younger did you want to be famous was that something that kind of crossed your mind or I mean you know like I just like some people when 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 you know them when they're young you can sort of see mm -hmm. uh them headed in in that path are people shocked when they find out that you're famous and then for what you're famous for so going back to like like the the early days like you know when you're a kid and you're like what do you want to be when you grow up my answer was always to be an artist um i back then thought that meant sort of like the kind of artist that paints you know on paper and stuff like that which you know, interestingly enough, as I sort of started to grow up, I had zero interest in painting at all. And I took more to music. 
And it was when I started my own band when I was around 14. That was kind of when I decided that I wanted to go out and do something big with, with myself. And I wanted people to know what I was doing and, and to be admired and stuff like that. So I think that that sort of, uh, that sort of desire started coming around when I was in my teens. But these days... I don't think, you know, my, my high school friends had ever really suspected that maybe I would go on to become famous or become someone of note, but they were not surprised. They're not surprised at all to find out that the weird girl in high school is still a weird person, like as an adult. I don't think anyone is shocked by that at all. I have pretty much just, um, you know, been sort of like an alternative type of person since uh, kind of since I hit puberty, I guess I sort of, you know, you go through that that angsty phase when you're trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do out of life. Uh, and I just sort of found myself attracted to the darker side and just the, the fashion in general, like the gothic kind of style always appealed to me. I've had colored hair or like, you know, partially shaved hair since uh, since high school. So I, yeah, that part never changed. <laughs> what are some of the, the myths that people think about, you know, dominatrix? Oh my God. Yeah. Here's the biggest one. And I hate this one and I love educating people on this one, but doms do not fuck their clients. Dominatrixes do not have vaginal sex with their clients. At least not most of them traditionally. Now, these days in 2023, the lines are starting to become a little bit blurred with different types of sex workers getting into the the industry. And, you know, maybe there are some doms out there that do that. But traditionally, dominatrixes are not there to offer like escorting types of services. If there's any sexual penetration going on at all, it is the dom wearing a strap on and pegging the the receiver so you know a lot of a lot of the people in my life that are shall we say uh you know vanilla as it were they're just sort of like oh so what's it like having sex with old guys and i'm just like oh my god like no <laughs> let me set the record straight right now that is not what it's about <laughs> so do you always have to wear or is is there a costume for this is is there like a fashion thing that you do when you you're interacting with clients so so when i was first coming up as a baby dom back then things were a little bit more traditional and typically you would see doms wearing corsets leather latex pvc high heels big boots stuff like that but nowadays it you know, the with more and more people entering the profession and the scene in general, those standards have sort of just fallen away and they're not so typical anymore. There's a lot of doms out there, including myself, who just like who will have more success going out and dominating in a cute pair of like leggings or sweatpants even or something like uh, I've even had really successful sort of uh internet domination sessions where I'm in my pajamas or I'm just, you know, I'm hanging out, no makeup, just kind of looking cute. Sometimes some of my best selling content is me doing really brutal things, wearing really cute clothing, school girl, school girl outfit, 
Um, I've got this pair of like my little pony leggings that I did some like brutal ball busting scenes and stuff like that. I have a pair of boxing gloves, you know, so I've, I've worn like a a tiara when it's my birthday or something and, and still, uh, you know, was really, really sadistic with, with someone. And I just, I love to express all different parts of my creativity and my personality. And I think it's great that that sort of uh you know the stereotype of of the the leather dominatrix is sort of being broken up now into other things like you know as as a dom you can be whatever the fuck you want like there are definitely still people who respond really well to the kind of classic image but it's it's more and more accepted now that a a dominatrix can kind of look any way she wants are there a lot of you oh Unfortunately, it has become extremely popular to be an internet dom. Uh, Even before the pandemic, I guess, like, you know, there were some MTV specials and things like that, one of which I actually took part in. So I I myself was a little bit part of the problem there. But um, I guess there are lots of women and men out there now, too, who think that it's going to be easy money. So they get themselves on the internet, they get themselves on Twitter specifically because they hear that Twitter, Twitter dominatrixes or, or Findom Twitter, quote unquote, is, is the way to do it. And there's, there's all this money out there. So unfortunately, there's hundreds and thousands of, of people sort of coming into this daily. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot of people doing it now. It's sort of become... I don't want to say mainstream, but very kind of it's it's sort of getting to the point where it's almost approaching mainstream levels. And it's it's definitely a little disappointing for those of us who have been around for a while and have put in the work and stuff to see that it's becoming sort of trendy. And, you know, same thing goes with sort of the goth alternative look and lifestyle that's sort of becoming a little bit more popular in in recent years. And you know, we we do it because we want to express our our uniqueness and we want to feel different from the crowd. But now the crowd is sort of coming to us and <laughs> taking <laughs> us up. So so yeah, I mean there I would say, yeah, there there kind of are a lot of doms now for better or worse. Wow. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this and and I, I again sort of in the mold of what you were saying about breaking the stereotype and you know that there's not vaginal sex do you get some sexual gratification though out of kicking the shit out of one of your clients as you said <laughs> um i do find it arousing i have always just sort of been a natural sadist for whatever reason um not just in the physical sense but in the mental sense too I guess it kind of like it stems back to when I was in high school and I started dressing in the alternative fashion and doing weird things to my hair and stuff. And, you know, somebody started a rumor in the high school that I was this satanic witch. And I just sort of like I sort of rolled with it. I didn't confirm nor deny it. Um, But one thing I remember is that I really enjoyed the feeling of of walking around and having people fear me. I just like got this weird kind of rush from it. I really, really enjoyed it. And so this was long before I knew anything about BDSM, but I just, I got this kind of like power trip, this sort of power rush off of that dynamic. And um, I just, I fed into it and 
later on, I, I found it to just be this really delicious, delightful sort of feeling. And yeah, it can definitely be sexually, uh, it turned me on like to some degree, it can be sexually arousing. So yeah, mostly though, I just, uh, I, I just love it. I find this like kind of joy from it. I smile and laugh a lot during my sessions. It's, it's so much fun for me. Are the clients weirdos though? (laughs) (laughs) So Oftentimes they are, but you'd be surprised by how many of them are completely normal, like in their day-to-day lives. You would never suspect some of these people. And it's often like people that work in like office positions or they might be a CEO or be a person of power. Like I've, I've spent time with judges and police officers and things like that. And they're just kind of looking for a chance to not have to be the one in control and not have to be worrying about, you know, what's going on or, or, uh, you know, planning this or that, or micromanaging this person or having all the responsibility lie on them. They just want to like, take an hour or two and check out for a while. It's kind of like a release for them, right? All these oh, yeah. high profile jobs that they have. And so it's, sure. like, it's, it's like cathartic almost. Exactly. Yeah. That's the perfect way to describe it because they often have so much responsibility. It's like, you know, they live these really stressful lives. Their minds are going a mile a minute. They can't turn their minds off to think, but when they're under someone else's control and they're bound or tied up or they're experiencing some pain, like they have no choice but to like ignore all of that other stuff and just let their mind go quiet and focus on what's happening. And it's, it's sort of like a meditative experience. Very, very interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, you know, I think that's another sort of misconception about, about the whole thing is that I think people think it's primarily due to, you know, quote unquote, weird kinks that people have. And like, yeah, for sure. Like some of it has to do with that. And some of my sessions are just sort of based around people's kinks, but a lot of times they're just based around the person wanting to relinquish control for a while. And wanting to drop all of that responsibility and, and forget who they are for, for a couple of hours, forget about, you know, all the problems that are waiting for them at work or at home and the stressful situations they're dealing with. So it can be really, really cathartic, like you said, and, um, it's, it's definitely therapeutic for a lot of, a lot of people. How much, like how much of an ass whooping are you putting on these people? Like, cause I guess that's the part I don't know that I, like that's the most unappealing part of this to me is that <laughs> you're going to get like it's painful it sounds painful that scares me Some people are just wired differently you know I am um, I I don't have a perfect explanation for it either like sometimes people ask me they're like they're like why why do these guys like this or or like how can they get you know get an erection while getting kicked in the balls and stuff. And like, you know, the best, the best explanation I have is just like some people are just wired that way, or they're, they're really getting off on the kind of like the humiliation aspect of it for whatever reason. And that makes the pain more bearable. But to answer your question more directly, I sort of vary up my, my session to pace uh, sessions, depending on 
what the client is looking for. You know, I, I'm actually not necessarily super mean or brutal to everyone. Like I have a few kind of, um, like cross dressing sort of, uh, aspiring transgender clients that just like to be treated really nicely and, and softly. And they want to, you know, be made to feel pretty and like they're a good girl and, you know, I'm going to do their makeup for them and stuff like that. And they get to just dress really soft and femme and, you know, just have some, you know, girl time. And that can be really nice too. I enjoy those sessions just as much. And it's all about creating a safe space for people to, explore these parts of themselves that maybe they don't feel safe doing in their regular circumstances. Um, but you know, I, I love a good fucking ass whooping. Like I have this one person out here in Vegas who I, I really adore him. Um, he is a belly punching fanatic and he, he just loves having his stomach punched really hard, like boxing style. He has me do elbow drops like on him, you know, he'll lay on a bed or a soft surface. And I just, I stand up and I pile drive my elbow right into his belly button. And, and I've asked him, I'm like, so what does this feel like afterwards? You know, like, it seemed like, I don't think I could handle someone doing that to me for an hour. Right. Uh, I don't think most people could, but he, he describes it as like a really warm kind of nice, pleasant feeling that lasts for a few days after the session. And he, you know, he really likes it and he'll do that like every few months or so. And I think so, that's the blood cells rushing to the injury. I think that's right. what it's really. yeah, It's, you know, it's, it's the endorphins. You do get a lot of endorphins when there's some pain being administered. Lilith, you, 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 you were talking and, and I, I love you. I don't know. There's like something Aww. really like there's just something cool <laughs> about you. Sight? <laughs> You're, yeah. Like, Aww. but you were just talking about like creating a safe space for them. Do you feel safe in, in what you're doing? Yeah. So most of the time I, I have screening protocols that I always use no matter what. There have only been a few times when I have not necessarily felt fully safe, but I've never felt like in danger or anything. The only times I felt a little unsure if a situ situation was safe or not was when I first started and I was working with a colleague perhaps and they had booked the session and I kind of had nothing to do with it. Um, and also in, in the early days when I had first started, like some of the people I'd worked with didn't necessarily have very strong protocols. So I would kind of show up and be a little bit wary about, you know, who they were or perhaps what area of town we were going to stuff like that. Um, and the only other times I have felt um, sort of like anxious or nervous or anything like that is, um, you know, if a, if a client walks in the door, is this a law enforcement officer? But again, I, you know, I kind of learned some screening methods early on by just sort of asking around some of my more established, experienced peers. And I have most most professionals will require a deposit first. And I have never heard of a law enforcement official paying a deposit and then showing up. I mean, I'm sure it's probably happened, maybe like big sting operation or something like that. And um 
I, I did have one peer in Boston who did get their space shut down, but it was due to like noise complaints from the neighbors. The neighbors kind of picked up on it. So she didn't get arrested, luckily, because they didn't do, you know, they didn't go in and try to bust her. They just kind of came by one day and, and were like, hey, look, we know what you're doing. Like, you got to you got to get out of here kind of thing. And so, you know, she left. But um, but no, aside from that, like and, and all of these things were were very long ago and early on in my in my career. And so now I make sure that, you know, well, I have, uh, you know, pretty much all along since that period of time made sure that I just I, I do my screening. And if people don't want to follow it, then that's their problem. I don't really sweat losing a potential client or two. And there are some people that get turned off by the screening process sometimes, especially if they're newbies and they don't understand that it's kind of just common practice for safety reasons. And a lot of them are just paranoid themselves. Um, they're like, oh, if I if I show you my ID, you're going to out me or tell my wife or something. But, um, you know, again, it's like it's my my safety is more important than your paranoia. So if you mm -hmm. don't want to go through some screening protocols or meet me in public somewhere first or, you know, call one of my my lines to talk to me or get on a Skype with me or something like that, then, you know, well, I, I really don't care. <laughs> What um what percentage do you think of men are wanting this service? So I think a lot of people are more kinky than they let on or even maybe that they even realize themselves. But as far as seeking, actually seeking out services, I would say not, I don't know. That, that's a little bit hard to say. I guess it depends on the area you're in. In bigger cities, there's a lot more of them. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, or places kind of kind of in the boonies. Or there's not so many. And not just because of the volume of humans, but just sort of the mentality and the pace of life. Places, mm -hmm. places that have a slower pace of life, like, you know, let's go to an island or whatever. Like, people don't necessarily need to seek these things out, seek out these types of releases and stuff because they get their releases in other ways. Um, so it kind of depends on the location. But Math. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, like living near the beach, having low rent. Like, <laughs> but also <laughs> Sports, concerts, you know. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I would say it's probably maybe, or, you know, somewhere around like five to eight percent or something in, in bigger, bigger cities. But I would say it's, it's a lot more, way more um, common for guys to go out to strip clubs or hire an escort. Right. That's way more common. To hire a dominatrix, not super common. So what do you, I mean, is, is there a type that seeks out that dominatrix? I know we kind of touched on it, but but do you see like the type over and over and over again, like the computer guy? Or yes. Yes, actually, computer guys like make up probably a good bulk of uh, of the clientele. Actually, um, I think that these guys are just really pent up and bored. I know, like one of my personal subs, he is just at his computer programming for like these really really long days every single day. The poor guy like barely even takes a day off. 
But when he does, you know, he'll come well, out. He and takes see it me. off, all right. Yeah, <laughs> he'll come out and see me for like you know five or six days and just you know just kind of like completely goes in. So so yeah, it's a lot of kind of like uh like computer nerdy kind of like tech guys. It's a lot of guys that are sort of like CEOs or sort of in charge of of a lot of people, you know, law enforcement kind of uh positions of power and um then then also there there are like there is a good cross section that that are just sort of like masochists they're not even submissive really but they're masochists and these are the kind of guys who are just sort of like almost like thrill seeking kind of guys like uh i'm thinking of this one guy in particular who is always the sort of like oh I check out all this pain I can take. Like some of these guys just want to push the boundaries of how to see how much pain they can actually endure. Some of them are just endorphin junkies. But why not boxing or? <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, know what I mean. I mean, not that you're complaining. Like that that fits your your business model. But right. yeah, I don't know. Well, I I think uh, I think part part of it is probably the difference between you know, feminine energy and male energy. Like a lot of men don't want to be in sort of like, you know, in a environment where there's more male energy, they just prefer to be in the presence of a female. But there are certain degrees too regarding that. What is it? BSDM, right? It's not necessarily like you're almost to the verge of death kind of thing. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, are you, yeah. are you thinking about, uh, the cross erotic asphyxiation where they hang themselves jerking yes, off that exactly. eyes? Yeah, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Lilith? Maybe I don't want to, I mean, is that, yeah, are is you, it you the guys one in the same? <laughs> I mean, these are just, these are just the stories that end up making the news, right? Yes. Like, there was also a really extreme case where someone had done that. I believe it was in New York and the mistress, like the Dom freaked out that the guy had died on her. So she fucking called her boyfriend or something like that. And they, he came over and they chopped up the body into a whole bunch of pieces and tried to hide it. And then she got caught. So, but I mean, these are like, these are extreme kind of situations. Like I don't think there are a lot of people super into that particular fetish, but it can oftentimes lead to death or injury because they are by themselves a lot of the time when they're doing it. So these are the ones that sort of just float to the surface of, of uh, awareness because those are the stories that make the news. But yeah, but no, I mean, there's, there's obviously different levels of kinky. Some people, they just, you know, they might like to, cross-dress a little bit or they might just kind of like to have their nipples tweaked when they're having sex or something you know or they might want to get spit on or get their face slapped a little bit like i think a lot of these things are actually fairly common let me stop you for a minute because (laughs) i personally think being spit on by another human being is like the worst thing that's going to happen to you, <laughs> generally speaking, especially in the like the world of COVID now. Oh, there's worse. <laughs> do, do you spit? I mean, is that people are? Uh, I mean, I I feel like that's just one of those staple products to the dominatrix where she like 
you know, steps on your back and then like spits on you. Yeah. Is that a is that a pretty common move? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys want that. They want the degradation. I mean, women like it too. Like not all of the clients I see are men. I do see women occasionally too and couples and gender identifications all across the spectrum. But but yeah, that that one's actually pretty common. I mean, I have peed on people like golden showers. The the only things that I don't really want to do that I draw a hard line at um, are vomit and feces. Now, <sighs> for the right price, and I mean like maybe 10K, I might consider, but nobody's ever offered That's me That's still 10K. going right? It's not really. Uh, so <laughs> that guy's usually pay a couple g's and to me that's not enough to be worth it like i am not a fan of having to deal with feces in any way um and it's why i don't offer a lot of pegging services um some people don't mind dealing with shit but i do so if i'm gonna be pegging someone it better be someone i have a connection with it's not gonna be some random stranger i just that's one of my lines so i mean you know, everybody's everybody's different in what they want or what they're willing to provide. Some people do really well with doing those things. I mean, I, I have a few peers that truly love it. They have these like special little uh, toilet seats that they've made. They just put an actual toilet seat onto like a hollowed out chair. And yep. <laughs> wow. Yep. I'm realizing wow. how vanilla I am. <laughs> the, yeah, uh, I, I wish people could see Jedi's face right now. Her, her mouth was like wide open during everything Lilith just said. Let me let me tell you the reason why we decided to do this show <laughs> because I was scrolling down through Craigslist gigs, right? And okay. there was an ad. Of course, you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's such a Jedi thing to do. scrolling down craigslist gigs and there was oh we lost your we lost your volume jedi i am dying to hear what you're saying and we lost your audio again so maybe bump back out and come back in because whatever you're about to ask (laughs) i think is gonna be great (laughs) yeah yeah this is so interesting my god I don't want to ask you. I don't want to ask you about your personal life, but like, I don't know when when you're in like a lifestyle like that. Does that not cross over into your regular life, or or does it? Or or you know, sexually speaking, is it like you know? You said it earlier, and I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Like you know, everybody's a little kinky in their own way and whatever they're willing to to do or whatever but does does that bleed in at all or no yeah yeah definitely a little bit i've always sort of been a, a fan of trying new things in bed um you know some early things that i like to do were play with blindfolds or like even ice cubes nothing like super super crazy but just sort of the element of uh, i i've always sort of really liked sensory deprivation like uh, like someone on someone else you know what i mean like 
because I really enjoy the element of surprise and sort of being able to, you know, just be in a situation where they have no idea what's coming next. I can do whatever I want to them. And it, you know, the, the reactions can be really great and really gratifying. So, um, you know, just kind of like some stuff like that. I have never, ever been in a relationship where I was like inflicting serious pain on my partner. That's just not really something that I look for in my personal life. You know, like I keep that part separate, but Mm -hmm. I have always sort of been drawn or attracted to the not even necessarily submissive guys, but just more kind of like easygoing guys that are going to let me have my way and like, let me like drive the ship and let me do what I want. So, so in those ways, it definitely does bleed over a little bit. Yeah. So when you're in session, is it like, I mean, you know, if these people have partners and whatnot, do you just not think about that and concentrate and think of it as a job? Do you get emotionally invested anyway? Yeah. So in the lifestyle aspect of it, I will not really get involved with anyone that has a serious partner. Um, Even if they're poly, just because I don't really like to have to work around anyone else's schedule. Right. So if I'm like, Hey, you know, like I want you to come pick me up and we're going to go out to this bar where my girlfriends are, are, you know, they're in from out of town. I want you to take us out whatever. I don't want to have to hear like, Oh no, I, you know, I have to do this with my wife or my girlfriend or like, you know, if they, if they have kids kind of same thing, if their kids are still in the house and they're responsible to somebody else, I don't really want to have to deal with that. Um, if they're just coming in for a session though, I, you know, it's not really my business. They're paying me for my time. Uh, all I care about is that they show up. Now I do kind of like to steer clear of guys who are, um, who are married for like ongoing sessions because after after a while you know sometimes especially if they do want to vent about their partner which a lot of them do that makes me uncomfortable because it's sort of involving them in a non-consensual way into our dynamic so i i do tend to sort of shy away from that did you guys get my um the other part when the craigslist ad no your can you tell it again Oh, please tell us. Yeah, we're dying yeah, for that. I was, Jedi. I was wondering if I got cut off. Okay, so I was scrolling down the Craigslist ad uh, in gigs, and then there was this guy who put an ad out for $100 willing to pay a female to go to the movies with him, but he she had to be wearing combat boots, and he wanted to um, have her sit in the chair while he lie down on the movie floor licking her boots. So that's why. <laughs> oh my God. And I sent it to Todd. Oh. And so we had a laugh about it. And we were just wondering are there people out there <laughs> who want to do this stuff? So, so it sounds like that guy's kinks are he's got a boot fetish. He is obviously submissive. He wants to do some like boot worship, but he's also got like a public humiliation kink as well which is why he wanted to do it in public. Uh, And I will say for anyone out there who ever sees ads like this and is thinking about it, that is way too little money to be doing that. Like that, that guy's definitely, you know, trying to take advantage of some 
sort of unknowing college girl or something like that like especially for the length the the duration of a movie you're going to be sitting there for a couple of hours like you know the going rates for doms are like you know right now anywhere from like three to six hundred dollars and up so if you you know if you see stuff like this like you you can get more you know let's say you're like cool let's do this it's in a public place and you feel safe great but jack that price up because they're just trying to take advantage of of people's ignorance you know this guy knows that he's got a fetish he really should be contacting a dom but he's cheaping out and hoping that you know some completely unaware person is going to respond to it and he's going to get his rocks off on the cheap so i that's kind of predatory behavior and i really hate seeing stuff like that there was uh there was one guy who used to go on craigslist in boston and he he was offering like sixty dollars an hour for girls to come and like step on him and stuff like that and you know of course to some to some people especially if they're out of work or whatever they're like oh wow 60 bucks for an hour like you know just to step on it somebody like that's great but like you know make no doubts about it like this person is using you for sexual gratification and that should be something that they are paying top dollar for, not cheaping out on. And further on that note as well, just be aware that what you are doing technically falls under prostitution. So if for some reason law enforcement ever noticed it and, and was aware that there was money exchange happening for companionship, and that includes kinky services, that is considered prostitution or escorting and you could get arrested for that that's another thing that a lot of people are not aware of wow Mm -hmm. that's pretty terrible um how does your family feel about your profession are they i would assume not thrilled about it are they okay with it Is, is that maybe something is that something I hope it's not a bad thing. Is no, your family um, like cool? Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty open about the fact that uh, my family is not supportive of um, you know anything that I do in that realm. They don't even like the fact that I do online streaming, um, despite the fact that I'm a non-nude cam model. You know, I always thought that when my parents found out that at least I could be like, well, hey, I'm not getting naked. Shouldn't that be worth something to you? like in your eyes, but, but no, um, it's, it's been kind of a bummer. I've even had it used against me in certain like arguments and stuff. Um, with my brother, for example, you know, if he gets upset or something, he's just like, you can't treat me like one of your slaves, you know, or, or like, you know, so this, this has always been your attitude and blah, blah, blah. blah. And he just, he doesn't understand, like nobody in my family understands. I have tried to educate them, in the past about what the kink lifestyle is about but you know it's it's kind of a bummer that i can't uh share my successes in in uh in my business with my family and show them you know how well i've done or share the fact that i've i've won all these awards and stuff like that and you know i've thought about it i've thought about writing to my mom and being like hey look i i won like another award like i'm winning all these awards for you know, books I'm writing about this topic, like the work that I'm doing online, like it's, it's important to me. And, and it does hurt that I can't share this with them, 
But um, interestingly enough, though, uh, my my partner that I'm married to, his family is totally cool with it. Like they all think it's like it's kind of, uh, you know, funny and admirable. And, you know, they they totally like I, I could tell these kinds of things to them. And they're just kind of like, hey, you know, as long as you're being safe about it, like that's cool. And like, you know, congratulations and stuff. So it all just kind of depends on your, you know, your family situation. Like uh, I had really strict Catholic parents growing up and, you know, as as a lot of people who end up turning goth, I feel like do. And it's just it's just a completely different mentality. I don't know that they could ever really truly understand what I do. So I don't really, I don't talk about it with them. They don't ask. And my extended family, I don't even think they know about it at all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lilith. I don't know. Joel, did you get um, the email from Todd? Because are you comfortable with that sharing about your, what your family thinks, Lilith? Yeah, that's if you're not, okay. Because yeah. I know that was one of the things that Todd Yeah, that's why I like very yeah. delicately asked it. But I feel like Lilith and I are buddies here, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no I've, I, also, I've been asked that question already, like a whole bunch. So, okay. I just well, and I'm sorry. Sure. I'm sorry to bring it up. And I was hoping to hear differently no, because, fine. you know, it, it's interesting right off the top of the show, you were talking about, you know, you wanted to be an artist mm -hmm. and I kind of liked where you were going with that because, you know, I'm, I'm a professional broadcaster. This is what I do for a living. I teach broadcasting as well. Oh, and one cool. of the, yeah, one of the things I, I tell the young people when they're breaking into radio or whatever, you know, the business they're going to break into, you know, you really need the support of your family and friends, the people around you. You don't want people around you that don't support you. That's it's really difficult to be successful. Yes. And it seems to me like you've become successful without them. Mm -hmm. And it sucks to not be able to be like. Hey, look, you know, not only am I doing this thing, I know you'll love it, but I'm like kicking its ass. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that it is definitely true. You do need the support of people around you in order to thrive at something. But it was something that I very much had to keep a secret for pretty much, you know, my whole life, especially when I was younger, because I was still living uh, either at home or close to home for you know into my my mid-20s so you know i i think that my parents probably would have like disowned me if they had known at the time so you know it like i get that they don't they don't get it and stuff but i would just like to be able to kind of share my achievements with them from time to time and just just be able to share that with them which unfortunately i mean i've i've still kind of like kicked the idea around of maybe you know at some point like i but you know i have uh i have the support of pretty much everybody else around me so i've i've got the support from my friends from my fans from my husband's family so i mean that's that's good for me you know i have some support at least that's great yeah i'm glad yeah. to hear that i really it says am. you also like event organization and teaching those are one of your yeah. passions you're two of your passions yeah, so I've been organizing mostly kink parties um, for a while. Those are the more notable ones, but I have put together a whole bunch of heavy metal shows as well. Uh, I'm in a band, so I've put together a few kind of showcases over the years. And it's a lot of work organizing events, but I think 
I might be a masochist in that way because <laughs> I, for some reason, just, I don't know, I enjoy rising to the challenge and then producing something that people are going to remember and perhaps take with them for the rest of their lives. You know, I've, I've had a lot of people kind of come to me and say like, wow, that was, that was unforgettable. Thank you for giving me this experience and opening my eyes to this world. And, or like, Hey, you know, me and my wife really reconnected at your event, or maybe I met a partner at your event. And, um, that makes me really happy. So despite the fact that it's an insane amount of work, it does bring me joy at the end of the day to continue to do it. And uh, teaching, I think, is something that's really important for for everyone, really. I mean, if you become an expert at something and you think that you can help others with it, I think that you should. And I really love helping people just sort of find themselves and go from a point where, you know, they're, they're starting from the bottom and they're working their way up to the top. And then once they're at the top or even halfway there, just, just getting those messages and feeling that gratification and seeing their achievements and being able to cheerlead them as well and provide that support. That's so important. Like these are all things that are really important to me. And when I do decide to to, uh, step back from performing, whenever that may be, I will probably fully sort of go into that path of teaching full time. Do you get a lot of wives who ask you or or girlfriends or partners who ask you to teach them how to interact with their partner? Yeah. Yeah. I do get a fair amount of women who are wondering like kind of how to spice up their interactions or sort of um, take a dominant role because as society has taught us kind of up until this point, women traditionally are expected to be more submissive in a relationship. And I don't know, for me, like growing up, that never really sunk into me. It never really affected me and I never followed it. But sometimes I just kind of take a look around or I, or I hear or see what other people are saying, other women. And, and I realize like how deeply embedded that expectation is for so many people. And so I'm really, really happy to try to help break that you know, I think we're finally entering a period of time where women are being seen more as equals. And, you know, sometimes women are even being like worshipped as superior. And it's it's really great to be part of this sort of movement and this part of time where where women are for the first time like claiming their own identities and realizing it's okay if you if you're a little girl and you want to grow up to be a lawyer or a doctor or a CEO or or anything you want to start a business you can you can be whatever you want so and that includes in the bedroom you don't have to live up to anyone else's expectations and Chances are, if your partner's really into you, unless they're a super control freak, they're going to want, they're going to enjoy seeing you step up like that. They're going to enjoy seeing a different side of you. I got to tell you, 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 not only have you dispelled so many myths about Dominatrix, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you and, and how you're going about your business and the way you're living your life. And oh, you. yeah, like you're, you're a fucking cool person. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know what I was expecting here tonight, but it, it wasn't this. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So we had the flat earth guy on, Dave Weiss. 
Okay. And if you've ever seen Dave Weiss on any YouTube videos, <laughs> he's an idiot. I mean, he's <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> and his like this, you know, it's the same stuff every time. Like, I mean, it's but it's his whole identity. Like that's that's what he does, and he just doubles down on stupidity. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like Trump. <laughs> you, there you go. Ex- yeah. Well, it's funny. We try to be a little bit woke on this show. Jedi and Todd hate that, right? But I'm like, dude, you know, it's so easy to judge people and and think that mm-hmm. you know stuff about people. And and I I like what Goddess Lilith is doing is she's dispelling myths and she's actually turning something that is considered weird into something kind of cool. I don't know. I I thought I was going to be like, this is so freaking weird, but like. <laughs> I'm not into it, but I get it. You know what I mean? I totally get it now. And again, to to meet somebody like, I don't know. I I guess the comparison to Dave Weiss was he just comes on and he's stupid. I I thought you would be more domineering and rude. You know what I mean? Like that's just part of the character. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Lilith, I have a question. You just like spit on the screen or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is something, you know, I I hear a lot from people who discover me on the internet and maybe they come into my live stream for the first time and see how I am or they interact with me for in a session and like, like, yes, yes, I absolutely can be that person. However, you know, that's just like one part, that's one facet of who I am. And it is like, you know, it's a different sort of, sort of vibe. Like as you know, on the day to day, my vibe is like what you guys are are seeing right now. And a lot of people are like, wow, you're like, you're like way too nice to be a dom. Like, are you sure you kick people in the boat? Like, is that really you in the video? <laughs> and I'm just like, hey man, you know, I can be, I can be as chill as the next person. But are you complimented by that or are you insulted by that? Um, I don't really feel any certain type of way about it. I'm pretty neutral <laughs> about it. And I'm like, well, listen, you have not seen me like, rip someone a new asshole for disrespecting me on my cam stream you've not probably seen me in session you have not seen me in a group of my like-minded peers you have not seen me on stage with my heavy metal band so like what you're getting right now like this is this is me just like vibing out and like you know when i I probably would have been a little more more like sort of angry and like edgy because because when i was younger that was who who i was then but i'm not that person now i am like you know i'm i'm into all different kinds of things than i was back then i'm into wellness and and uh you know good vibes kind of stuff and alternative healing and all that all that kind of stuff so what were you gonna ask i went to a drag show in provincetown over the weekend and I gotta okay. tell you, it's pretty good. Yeah, it was uh, drag me, uh, drag me into the eighties. It was called, and it was very eighties themed. I loved it. It was really good. But so right, the the drag queen who was performing is a gay man who dresses in drag. So clearly, he's not like transgendered. That's he's it's an act, right? He's mm-hmm. putting on a performance. Mm-hmm. And again, we've talked about uh, the idea of art. When you're doing this stuff, mm-hmm. 
and you have to be the domineering dominatrix. How much of that is performance? Because it you just seem so chill, but like I I perform a lot. Like that's what I do. And so I'm I can be different ways in, in different situations. But when I'm doing this stuff, I'm performing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how much of what you're doing would you say is performance based and or how much of that is just like this the 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 the, the switch flips and you're like here's what I got to do now. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of depends on the set and setting. If I am in a session, I feel that most professionals would agree at least to some degree that that is more performative because you've got, you know, this given amount of time to kind of uh, to do your show and your interaction with, with people. Like, you know, it is, it is kind of like putting on, you're making somebody's fantasy come true. Right now, if you're if you're good at your job and you are good at sort of choosing the clients you want to see, it's not necessarily going to feel like a performance because there are things that you enjoy, but it is a different type of space. So sometimes that's sort of more referred to as like, quote unquote, dom space, because the you that or the me that is the one, you know, tying somebody up and getting ready to zap them with a cattle prod like like, yeah, that's a certain type of space. I'm not going to just be that way, like, like necessarily uh, every single moment of the day. Um, I, like I said before, I'm a sadist naturally. So for me, once I, it does take me a little bit sometimes, especially if it's a new client to kind of get myself into that headspace. But some people do that by dressing a certain way. And I've never really kind of taken like use that as a crutch or anything but it can help sometimes or some people use music or whatever and and sometimes it does take me a little bit to sort of settle in to the zone you know i'm in the zone but uh but those who serve me in in my sort of lifestyle aspect of it they they usually spend their time with me and i am I am just existing kind of like this, but there's always those little unexpected twists that they're, they're not really ready for prepared for. Like I might just be hanging out here and then boom, suddenly like, you know, pop somebody in the nuts. I was or... just going to say that. Would you just be sitting there and just like slap the person? Yeah. Cause that would be kind of fucking cool. Yeah. No, it's great. And like, I, I love messing with people. Like I've always just enjoyed that kind of thing. And, something that this lifestyle has given me is an outlet for those sorts of urges because let's be real here like we've all had those urges we've all had the the urge to just slap somebody if they're being annoying right and sometimes like if i'm with the sub it might not even be that the urge is directed towards them it might just be i'm having a bad day or i'm frustrated or whatever I am, I'm going to express that. And uh, if that's by expressing it to one of my slaves or pets, like it is kind of their position to have to receive it and be grateful for it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of full of surprises sometimes. So I do like a little bit of public humiliation aspect myself. That is one of my sort of OG kinks. So I love, for example, when I'm at the airport and I'm being picked up by one of my slaves, the first and last thing that they always do, whether they're picking me up or dropping me off, is kiss my feet. They just, you know, they get out of the car and they drop and kiss my feet. 
And if someone sees, well, that's too fucking bad. And, you know, most of the time it happens so quick, like people don't really notice it anyway, but sometimes people do. And I always just kind of like get a little, get a little, uh, inner grin when I see that they're, uh, you know, the subby might be a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit, a little bit squirmy. Um, so yeah, the, it's, um, it's parts of me that are just sort of interwoven in, into my ongoing relationships, but in a, in a session sense, like, like, yeah, that's, um, that is a little bit more performative. So when you have a new client, is there like a initial assessment that goes on from, you know, what, what safe words or, you know, discussed or when you get a new client, what happens? So the first thing they do um, when they approach me is if they're serious, they'll fill out my application form and that comes with a consideration fee of $50. Pretty standard. Some doms even charge more than that. And that right there weeds out a lot of the people who aren't serious because if they're not willing to send an initial tribute to demonstrate their sincerity, then I probably don't want to spend time with them anyway because they're either new and require a lot more training than I want to give them or they're insincere or they might be a member of law enforcement. Um, but from there, I, I sort of I ask a whole bunch of different questions, and I usually like to get on a call with them first just to make sure that the vibe is going to be good between us and see what kind of expectations that they may or may not have and remind them that they should kind of drop their expectations because they can tell me what kinks they're into, but I am not here to read off of a script. Like, we're going we're gonna to play, and we're going to play the way I want to. We're going to do it in a way that includes your kinks, but you're not going to be like, I want you to wear this blue corset and you're going to step on my balls three times while ashing in my mouth and calling me a pig. You know, like I, I'm going to, I'm going to do the things that I want to do. Um, another thing that is required for a session with me are references. Always reference check. I prefer to have at least two current references um, and if they don't have references, I either recommend that they go to maybe like a dungeon, like a public dungeon, or if they don't have that ability, then they have to have like several kind of paid screening sessions with me first. And then they end up paying like the bulk of their, their session fee, like as a deposit. Wow. Um, so because this was, you know, mostly underground stuff and not many people know who or what or where to go, how do they find out about all these secret dungeons? <laughs> you know, where do they get their references from? You can find a lot of this stuff still on Google if you look hard enough. There's a lot of forums and honestly, Twitter. Twitter, I mean, to some degree... You might be able to find some dungeons and providers on Instagram, although Instagram does shut down accounts very frequently. I've been shut down on Instagram several times. Um, even on Twitter, it can be tough. I've been shadow banned on Twitter forever, which is why my I cannot really grow my following. I'm stuck at like 20K followers, and it just some of my peers that started after me have much bigger followings because they weren't picked up by the shadow ban. But 
you know, Twitter decided they didn't like me like more than five years ago. So it's been, it's been difficult in that way, but yeah, there, you know, if, if you want it bad enough, you can find it. You just kind of have to like jump through a few hoops sometimes. Um, but if you, if you do enough digging, you can find it. Would you ever be a sub? (laughs) (laughs) So when I first began my journey into the world of BDSM, um, I was still modeling uh, primarily, and I saw a posting, uh, a casting call for bondage models, and it paid very well. Bondage models, if you're willing to be in bondage, can make a lot of money. It was like $400 for a two-hour shoot. So I was like, fuck, you know, I, I need some cash, and like I'm exploring this fetish world. Like, why not? So I went there, and I did the shoot, and I fucking hated every second of it. I did not like being in bondage for many reasons. Uh, it was uncomfortable. I did not like not being the one in control and I felt uh, degraded, you know, like, like they were not actually degrading me or humiliating me. They were just tying me up and taking pictures of me. But I felt like, you know, to me, it felt degrading just to be in that position. So I actually really fucking hated it. That being said, though, um, over the years, I have thought that it might be fun to like bottom for like one of my peers, one of my female peers at some point, just for just for like, you know, kind of like a brief short little scene or something, maybe more of like a nurturing type of scene, because I'm not I'm not a masochist. Other than the the mental masochism of me like being a, a workhorse and like really liking to deal with challenges and stuff like that, um, I'm I'm not into that. The only place I'm a masochist physically is on a massage table when I'm getting a massage, which um, I do train my subs to give me like nice deep tissue massages. But you know, it's never it's never like oh I'm being submissive to you. Like they're performing an act of service. So even if they're really digging in there and causing me some of some of that pain in that way, like I'm still the one in control. So, so yeah, no, there, there's only probably really specific situations where I might ever want to bottom to somebody. I don't think I could sub to anyone. Like there's kind of a difference, like submitting to somebody and like serving somebody is different than just sort of being on the receiving end of an action. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Jedi's taking very meticulous notes. This I see that. I see I see those those gears turning. I like it. <laughs> a lot of writing. Taking a lot of notes. Do we have a potential Dom in training here? <laughs> Jedi, that's know. pretty good money. That's pretty good money if you can get over some of that stuff. Oh, stay out of my personal affairs. Fair enough. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, so would you say, though, Lilith, that the product mostly is, that's being sold is humiliation? Yeah, I would say, I would say that's one of the primary ones, humiliation, degradation. Um, but again, a lot of guys are just into pain. They don't, some, some guys don't even want the humiliation or like, they don't want to be talked down to. They just want to be kicked in the balls or, oh you know, gosh. or they, they want to be space. I just don't get that. Hey, you know, it wouldn't be no, my I know. either, but right. I am with you. Like I, that's not how I, um, you know, how I want to spend <laughs> my time, but I think it, on my end, being the one providing it, it's, 
it can be really, really entertaining and fun and amusing and just gratifying. So I love Have being there been like days where after after a session you're like, this really wore me out. I'm tired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna do this. Totally. Um, especially yeah. physically, like you think about it, you're doing like repetitive motions if you're like whipping the shit out of somebody or you're boxing somebody or stepping on them, trampling them, stomping them. It's it's hard to kick people in the balls repeatedly. Like if you think about it for a second, like that's not really, it's like kicking a soccer ball over and over or something. Like you don't just make that, that type of movement in your day to day. Right. So it can be exhausting right. physically. And that is part of why I really like to end my sessions with the sub giving me a massage after on, on, you know, maybe my calves or my, my arms and neck shoulders, whatever my, like, you know, my whipping arm, um, my feet, if I've been wearing, you know, some kind of crazy footwear because it does take a toll physically and it can take a toll mentally and emotionally as well. You know, I think that's something that a lot of people, a lot of providers don't talk about, or it's not something widely acknowledged is the toll that it takes on the provider as well. Sometimes even just fielding some of these fucking email inquiries or like DMS that I get on these socials, like, or like the massive amounts of dick pics, like some days I just can't fucking deal with that. So like, you know, especially I try not to check my phone first thing in the morning because there have been times when I've checked my phone like kind of quickly soon after waking. And it's just sort of like screwed up the whole tone of my day really by like seeing some of this shit right away. So now I'm a little bit more structured with myself and um, I have a separate phone and separate email addresses to deal with that all. And I only I only look at them when I feel like I'm mentally prepared for it. So do you break character when you feel a moment of compassion? Like, oh, this guy can't handle it anymore. So, you know. No, um, I don't I don't break uh, character because I don't really get into character. I am just authentically myself or the different sort of facets of me. And so I do I can actually uh, be nurturing sometimes um, or I can just I can be a little bit more sweet and gentle um, so if, if I see, you know, a sub is really trying hard to please me, but they just can't take it anymore. Like their, their legs are shaking and they're, they're crying or something or, or, you know, they're bleeding like really heavily, you know, I do take pity on them. And then that just sort of, that makes them feel even more submissive to me because I am sort of like taking care of them to a degree. And, you know, aftercare is important, at least some degree of aftercare, like if they really need it, I tend to just keep my, my aftercare, something short, like a massage for me, or maybe just like a, a little bit of praise for them saying like, Oh, you really, you took a lot for me, like good job. And I smile at them and, and that's kind of it. But some doms will do this whole, like, you know, they, they're, they like bring them water or they like, you know, they offer them a blanket and they kind of cuddle with them or stroke their hair for like 10 minutes afterwards. I don't, I'm not like that nurturing with it, but, um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't tend to attract the types of subs that like need that anyway. Um, so, but, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's think about kind of like when you are going to see a live concert, right? And uh, I'm going to use the example of like heavy metal because I'm in a heavy metal band. For the most part, like the show, it might last for 45 minutes to an hour or more. 
it's not just going to be like super blasty thrashing the entire time because you're like you could like a number of things could happen you could just sort of wear somebody out or they become desensitized to it and they just sort of like you know they zone out a little bit there's ebbs and flows you know they're going to include a slower song at the beginning maybe this part has a melodic part and you're going to build somebody back up to that crescendo or like you know to that climax and it's going to be it's going to hit that much harder because there was a period of of uh you know sort of down there so tell us about the foot not what footnight top trampler award that you <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so okay so footnight international this is this is a whole fucking thing you guys like this is something that exists like globally these parties have been around for over 20 years um yeah it was it was my sort of introduction into doming actually happened at one of these parties when i was in my early 20s and i had never heard of this thing before but this is when i was just sort of taking whatever paying gigs i felt comfortable doing so one of my friends was like hey you know you do fetish modeling right like do you want to do foot modeling and i was like yeah why not she's like well would you do like live foot modeling because there's this there's this party thing happening and i was like um okay like maybe what's the pay and she was like oh well guys pay you 20 bucks for every 10 minutes that they spend with you and i was like oh okay so i can make a few hundred bucks sounds like a good good plan to me um so so i went there and i was just like completely mind blown by everything that was happening i had never really experienced uh i had never been to a dungeon or anything that uh like that at, at this point in my life that was the closest thing i had seen yet and there were just all these like slaves around they were laying on the floor and like girls were stepping on them and like you know people were people were just like sitting there like you said earlier joe like licking boots and stuff like um so it's this whole thing they exist in multiple different cities across the u.s there's some in canada i've been to one in london i'm sure they exist in other parts of the world i know there's one in ireland so this is sort wow. of like a, yeah it's a large sort of thing um and so one year they they have these awards in january in la every year and one year i won the top trampler award which was amazing because trampling is one of my uh favorite activities and it's something that i really truly enjoy i have fun with it and um yeah it was it was definitely an honor to to be recognized for it and it was partially due to my fans voting for me all the time but i think the the kind of the organizer of it saw my passion as well so yeah super awesome and side note since then i have also started my own footnight party in boston so if you're oh. ever curious <laughs> <laughs> joe you gonna go <laughs> 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 so close too it's so i know close. we do have parties in providence sometimes too that's even closer yeah i know <laughs> i can put you on the guest list <laughs> i'll let you know i'll let you know we'll ask todd <laughs> todd would definitely do it I, I feel know, like Todd right? would definitely do it. Todd was like, I think dominatrix is a weird. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't at all. Liar. So tell us about, you You said you have a band. Tell us about your band. It's, it's Sorrel Seed, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we are a melodic 
heavy metal bands. I guess you could, uh, for those who are listening that might be into metal, there's all these different subgenres of metal. So we're sort of like a, a melodic black and death metal band is sort of like the more official description, I guess you could say. So if you're a fan of like Cradle of Filth, or behemoth like you might be into what we're doing we've been around for just over 10 years we've got three full-length albums we have done numerous north american tours and we started playing in europe a little bit and we're hoping to do a european tour again um this coming spring in 2024 so um you can check out all of that info by going to sorrowseed.com that links to all of our socials we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, like the whole nine yards. Uh, if you want to support the band, you can find us on Bandcamp, sorrowseed.bandcamp.com. And uh, yeah, we've built up some notoriety over the years because I definitely brought some elements of BDSM into our live shows. There was one tour in particular. It was the second tour we had ever done. It was called the Damsels of Darkness Tour, and it was an all-female-fronted metal band tour. We did, uh, I think we did like seven or eight dates of it, mostly on the East Coast. And I brought my uh, my St. Andrew's Cross with me. At the time, I had a slave that was serving me like every day, and he had um, he had a SUV. So he was able to transport it for me and set it up for me each night and also chauffeured me around, which was awesome. I had my own personal driver for the tour. I didn't have to deal with uh, being crammed into the the super tiny tour van for that one, mm. which was nice. And I brought one of my female subbies at the time on the tour with me because she was a bit of an exhibitionist and she really liked being on stage with me. So I would, uh, I you know, each night we set up the cross and we would get her locked into it and hang a like a black sheet over it that we kept on, just kind of kept there on the stage until about halfway into the set. And that was when I would pull the sheet off like really dramatically and go into a really heavy song and people you could you could always just hear like this audible like <gasps> like this gasp you know because we were playing in some places where people had never even seen this type of stuff before ever they had only like heard about it or maybe didn't even hear about it like we literally played like just outside Amish country in Pennsylvania a couple times like we saw the Amish like that's how kind of like you know small some of these towns were which by the way, even though they were, they were pretty small, like the turnouts were packed for them because they were just like thirsty for something to do. Right. But, but yeah, it was, it was so much fun. And then I had a few, I had a few brave men in the audience that would be like, Oh, I want to go up. I'm like, I'm going to whip the shit out of you. And they're like, yeah, do it. So, so I would get them up on there. Cause you know, with my, with my girl, she wasn't a super heavy bottom. So I would just kind of like spank her, paddle her, flog her, give her barehanded spanking, maybe, you know, run my nails down her back or pull her hair or something like that. But with, with these guys, I would just, you know, I would get them up there and I would whip them with my, with my whip, with my single tail and, you know, they'd have these gashes and stuff. And this one guy, uh, his name was Butch. Shout outs if you happen to be listening ever, Butch. But uh, he came up and he kind of like my belly punching, uh, punching guy had this big belly. And he was like, I want you to whip my belly. And I'm like, okay, sure. I've never done that before, but sure, why not? <laughs> and he, he has become like a devoted fan for life after that. Like he was so 
grateful for that experience. I don't know if it was something that he had always wanted or like just something that struck him at the time, but he was like, he was like glowing afterwards and he was, he was so happy to have that experience. And um, I think also it's worth noting that he, he had chronic pain of some type. Um, And so when you have chronic pain, chronic ailments, stuff like that can really, can really have, have a positive impact on you because it takes away your chronic pain because you know for a temporary period of time you've got this other sort of i guess you know warm sort of healing thing going on that's and it's like kind of buzzing or whatever and you don't feel that your chronic pain for a little while so um so yeah that it's it's been really nice there's so many kind of like levels to the whole thing and so many different ways of connecting and different aspects to what it's all about that again are lost on most people most people don't understand that there there are many benefits and like positive psychological um you know elements to this and uh but yeah so to bring it back to uh to the band that we did we did a full tour like that and that went over so well that we continued to to kind of do that for our more local shows for a long time and if you go through our Facebook page, you can still find some pictures on there, which is shocking to me that Facebook has not removed them. Um, <laughs> they're kind of buried in there, you know what I mean? Before like the AI or whatever, like the auto moderation stuff was around. So they're, they're still on there. Like, And I think the pictures are kind of like grainy and low quality, which helps too. You know, but uh, mm-hmm. like one of one of my girls looks like straight up naked in one of our. I think it was like a YouTube video or something. I'm like, I can't believe that's still up. But, but yeah. So if anybody's curious, you can. Uh, I am. I'm gonna look all that up. Yeah, do it up. Do it up. We'll have to scroll for a while because this was like this is probably like eight years ago. But I'm willing yeah. to scroll. Dig through it all, man, and you can listen to our music while you're doing it. You can you can bump us on Spotify. <laughs> Well, I, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Morks, I think that's it. The end is here. Thank you so much for Goddess Lilith being on our show. Unfortunately, Thank Todd you. again couldn't make it. Check Crimes, Conspiracies, and Beyond on Clovercrest Media, Spotify, Apple. And you know what? Uh, please subscribe. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. And, um, You know what, damn it, subscribe because I said so.